Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Archerpreneur Now podcast. I am your fist pumping host, Heath Armstrong, and I am here to get you pumped up, ready to boogie for this guest today because she is bringing the energy hardcore, nonstop. Somebody that I am humbled to have on the show because I have been such a fan and and such a student to her work. Uh, her her latest book, Vision to Reality, has been a staple in goal setting and habits for me. I love the way she writes, and she writes like she talks, and she talks like a superhero. That's right. Honoré Quarter is on the show today uh, through a connection that we made. Via How Elrod, episode 16 of The Entrepreneur Now. They are business partners in some sort, some way, some manner. And I am truly honored to have Honore on the show. So without, without further ado, let's get into habits. Let's get into uh, visions. Let's get into building the life that we love one step at a time. It's not going to happen overnight, but with her plans and with her strategies, it absolutely can. And I am experimenting with it myself, and I have nothing but amazing things to say. So for all the show notes, artsynow.com forward slash 58. Whoever you are, wherever you may be, whatever you may be creating, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am pumped to introduce Honoré Quarter. Here we go. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that stinkity, stinkity, rickety, dickity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here we go now. Who wants to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. Well, get on with your bad selves. Yeah. Do your ears hang low? Do they wobble to the front? Well, you better make sure they do, and you better not be tying them in a silly little knot, you little silly goosey-goosey-goo. Because my guest today is going to help you bring your vision to reality. She's blowing up the best-selling lists on the regular degular. The author of over 12 brilliant bombshell bookie-wookies that are sure to make you get out and boogie-woogie, do the jive, and recreate what it feels like to be alive. She's going to help you form habits. She's going to help you build your network. She's knocking out lights all over the beautiful city of Austin, Texas. A skittamarinkity-dinkity-dink, a skittamarinkity-doo-hoo. Honoré Corder, you are the entrepreneur now. What is going on? Oh, about a million and a half things. <laughs> Starting with your awesome intro, let me just say right now. Well, we, that was awesome. We pre-chatted about fist pumping, so I just carry it through. I carry the torch. Yes, I'll, I'm going to fist pump every 30 seconds now. <laughs> Honoré has written this amazing book called Vision to Reality, plus, like I said, like 12 other how many books do you have out now? Yeah, 13. 13. Right. Yeah, yeah, wow. 
So you made your first success, I guess, off the single mother series and you've kind of blown up since then. And you're really big into coaching and, and strategizing ways for people to, you know, set their goals, reach their goals and create this life that they truly love. Uh, you, you've got a, a past, you're a single mother and now you've made fortunes. And it, now this may not pertain to your name, but I'm pretty sure your name means a person who receives honor pronounced slightly differently. So you've certainly lived up to that and you're helping others do the same. Coincidence, Honoré? I think not. <laughs> uh, I'm pumped to have you on here. You know, you know the number one thing that you taught me through reading your books and just following you? I can't wait. Tell me. 100% commitment walks, 99% commitment talks. You got to think, believe, deserve, and commit, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You got it. So, so how are you doing? Awesome. Like, incredible. What, what's on your mind right now? Um, what is on my mind right now? Um, this amazing interview. Like, I got prepared for this. I thought I was prepared. I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, I had no idea. This is amazing. It uh, it is always so fun to do interviews when the person on the other end is jacked up. Yeah, drinking. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not the one drinking bulletproof coffee. Well, I'm drinking the bulletproof coffee. So I mean, <laughs> but but I'm also going to be drinking some incredible tea very shortly. Yeah, Greg Baston, green tea, clear tea. Yeah, some of the best. So. Well, it starts with that, right? It starts with what you put in your mind, your body, your spirit. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you got to put the good stuff in, the great stuff will come out. Yeah. And y- you teach this plan of 100 days to goal setting. So, what exactly, just curious, what were you doing 100 days ago? What was I? Let's see. 100 days ago was November, August. So August in Austin, Texas, I was sweating (laughs) (laughs) and I had just released uh, my book. If divorce is a game, these are the rules book number. Is that the newest one? That is no, no. After that was the successful single mom gets an education, the final book in that series. So book number six in the series. It's interesting. I was listening to a podcast for authors Mm -hmm. as I might ought to do on occasion. And there's a fiction writer who put out like six books in a year. And she said, but I don't write and write all six books in the year. So I have had these books in various phases of birth. I'm more on a schedule now that I kind of had this rush of having books come out one after the other. And then I had nothing written. So I had to start basically from scratch. So I'm working on book 14. Well. I'm curious, and we can get into this if you want, how sure. these systems that you have in place to to get these books written and out so fast. I mean, you're pretty much playing that right into what you teach as well, right? Yes. Well, so my system for writing books is like my system for anything else. I reverse engineer once I've figured something out or I can find someone who's figured something out. So it's not always reinventing the wheel. It's watching someone who's created that. So I'm a hybrid of, in my mind, I'm a hybrid of someone like Steve Scott who writes books and I'm a huge admirer of him. I don't know if you know about him. He writes under Steve Scott and S.J. Scott and I guess he hit his big mother load of success when he had published about 40 books. So figured out the formula for really making money on Kindle and popping out books. And so they're they're dense, um, high, high uh, impact highly um, changing, changing behaviors, changing habits in one area. 
right? So it's all about one topic, bam, right? On the other hand, you have people who put out a lot of fiction books and they're just telling story after story after story and they have a series. So what I did was I kind of just reviewed and reverse engineered and studied how they were, how each of these independently, these groups of people were putting out so many books on a regular basis. And it came down to just a few key elements. And one of them that really works for me is just, you know, butt in chair, Mm -hmm. writing down the words. So I'm not a Johnny B. Truen or Sean Platt where I'm writing 2,000, 3,000 words a day because my schedule doesn't allow for that. And there are some authors that write five to 8,000 words a day. I don't, I don't know how they have wrists. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think my wiring would go awry. I hope, I hope they're at a standing desk for some of that, you know? Yeah, you would think. But I think they write it in like two or three hours. Like that's the most you can really sit down and kind of Whoa. get. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're just burning it out. Well, when I'm writing, I'll write between 750 and 2,000 words in an hour. And it's because I know what I'm writing about. So it's, I'm not, it's not the research phase. It's not the checking my facts phase, right? That's just the getting the stuff out of my head and through the keys. So I'm a hybrid of that, that model of the fiction writers who just pop out book after book after book and the nonfiction writers who are writing books fairly consistently and, and achieving success. So I put myself on a schedule and my schedule is between 3.75 and 4 books a year, depending on how many words I'm writing. My goal is between 750 and 1,000 a day. And with, with 30 to 50,000 words in a book, right, you can do the math that over 30 days, I'm going to have really close to the makings of a book, if not a book, if I have done some days that are 2,000 words. Yeah, just, just sitting in a chair and, and actually getting out there and doing it. It's amazing how fast things can build up. And I know that you you teach this and how to do it, but what, this is kind of crazy. So you, you know how you, you kind of plan on the 100-day schedule? Yes. Um, well, before I read The Miracle Morning and got into that practice, I would do the year thing because I guess that's just what everybody does. And you talk about that in your book, Vision to Reality. But I I started doing the the 90 to 100 day goal setting and I had my year goal at the beginning of the year to run 200 miles. And then when I, when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a hundred, hundred days. I broke that down and it was only like two miles a day or something. So I did the 200 miles in like three months. (laughs) Right. It was so easy. Yes. So if you, if I say go write a 50,000 word book or a hundred thousand word book, if you're a fiction author, right? A fiction book, a nonfiction book is typically between 30 and 50,000 words. If I say, hey, go write a 50,000 word book, your brain explodes. It's too much. (laughs) But if I say write 500 words a day, very soon you have a thousand words, then 2,000, then 5,000, then 10,000. It's like, oh, okay, this won't take me forever if I do a little bit every single day. It's the people who take the biggest chunk Mm -hmm. and look at that piece that remain unmoved. Yeah. Touche. And then they fist pump. And (laughs) no, they, they go beat themselves up because they're not accomplishing anything. (laughs) Right. Which is, which is not productive. So I, I like to just break things down to what are the, what is the, the needle I have to move today? I don't have to worry about yesterday. If I didn't do anything yesterday, yesterday is gone. I can't change that. I'm going to move on. What am I going to do today? I'm not going to worry about tomorrow, just today. Yeah, absolutely. 
And it's huge. That's why I love the Miracle Morning so much too, because it kind of teaches you that principle. Exactly. That's one of the reasons I love it as well. Yeah. So you have an interesting story of where you came from and how you built this fortune. And I know it's something that you have talked about a lot, but I'm sure that a lot of my creative listeners haven't been on those types of podcasts. So do you do you mind going through your background, where you came from, how you struggled as a single mother, and then you built this up? And I mean, you literally sure. invented this plan that you teach, and it's super fascinating, and it makes me want to run around and boogie-woogie all day long. <laughs> so I'd love to hear Well, you can. Yeah. You can. Did you want to run now while I'm talking? Like, <laughs> Well, I've got Daisy Dukes on, so if I go outside like this, I might get shot by one of these people in Kentucky. Right. Yes, I've heard. It's okay. <laughs> I'm from Southeastern Ohio, so I totally get it. (laughs) Easy. Stay indoors. All right. So my background is that I had my first real business success in my 20s. I built a successful network marketing business. Uh, Toward the end of my career, which I didn't know was the end, I was hired a business coach by the CEO of my company. And that was my first exposure to business coaching for real. My mentor had talked about her business coach, but it was one of those things I heard but didn't hear. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Right? It was like I was listening. I heard her, but it just didn't sink in. So I'm offered this business coach, and I say, okay, okay, I'll do that. And within 90 days, I had reached my um, 18-month exit strategy goals. So I was thinking I was going to go all the way to the ripe old age of 30. And instead, within three months, I had reached my exit strategy goals. And I woke up one day and I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? And that was the day I had a coaching session. And I got on the phone with my coach and she said, I want to tell you something funny. She said, I woke up in the middle of the night and said, what's Honoré's exit strategy from this business? And I said, well, that's funny because I'm kind of wondering the same thing. I think your ESPN is working. (laughs) So so we need to have a conversation about what I'm going to do next. And she said, I think you would make a great coach. And I said, but I don't have a college degree. I was a foster kid. I was on my own since I was 16. I don't know that I could run around telling people what to do. And she was like, hey, Sparky, you just did all this stuff over here. You're kind of successful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I think you can. I think you can. And it's so there's a there's a kind of a a piece to point out, right? Which is no matter how successful you are, you still have the voice of doubt running around. Mm-hmm. You've got to shut her up or shut him up. <laughs> Cause he's not actu- accurate, right? Telling you you can or can't do something. Listen to the can, not the can't. So I start to do business coaching and speaking in a different way. Cause when you're in network marketing, which was my business. You speak all the time. So I had lots of on-my-feet presentation skills Mm -hmm. from doing many, 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 many thousands of presentations and actually speaking at convention, but not um, from the stage as a paid person. So I transitioned into business coaching and speaking. It was very funny. My very first um, gig that someone paid me for, they called me and they said, we only have, we we don't even know if we can afford you. We only have $3,500 for you to come and speak to us. And I was like, okay, I suppose. (laughs) I'll see if I can, I can live on that. So I transitioned into coaching and speaking. And then um, I was married at the time and um, had a small child. This is a, a few years in. And I find myself a single mom, which you can ask questions about that, but I don't know how long you want me to talk. (laughs) How long is this podcast? And um, I find myself a single mom. And so that self-esteem challenge that I had had 
from being a foster kid and being on my own so early kind of crept back in. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm over 30 and I have a kid. I'm a single mom. Who's going to want a piece of this, right? Bad self-talk, but I'm a business coach and a speaker. So I have to do the equivalent of a miracle morning practice in order to kind of pull myself together during the day mm-hmm. and work on myself at night. So that was a, a several year process. Through that, I end up meeting Mark Victor Hansen at an event, and he suggested I start writing books, and this is in 2004. So I write my first book, Tall Order, um, and while the book is at the printers, I sell 11,000 copies of the book, which I didn't know. Like what? to people, Yeah, yeah. So while the book is at – so there's the there's, – when you self-publish, you call it publishing your book. But what you're, what it's really is a perfect bound document that's at some printers and they're making a perfect bound document. We call that a book. So my book is at press. It's being published. And between the time it's uploaded and the time I receive it, there's back in the day, right? This is in 2004 when if you're a self-published author, you are a loser, <laughs> like big time. But I didn't have a big I didn't have a big publisher giving me a fair deal. I had a big publisher who had made a gratuitous deal because I had a connection. But it wasn't a real deal in my opinion. I was like, "Wow, I I will not be insulted by the fact that a major publishing house is offering me a deal, but thank you no. I'll fund it myself." Yeah. So I funded the publishing, the editing, the the graphic design and, and the printing all myself. And Mark Victor Hansen and and Jack Canfield at the time were famous and still are, obviously. But back then, they had only published 100 titles of Chicken Soup for the Soul as opposed to the 2,000 they have today. And they said, do seven things every day for your book. So I just started calling people and saying, hey, do you want to buy 10 to 100 to 1,000 copies of my book? And I sold 11,000 copies in about seven weeks. Oh, wow. So you physically Um, were were the one out there selling it. It didn't just go viral somewhere, I guess – well, there was no viral in 2004. Yeah, the internet wasn't quite as I mean, it developed. was uphill both ways and snow barefooted back then. <laughs> this was the dark ages. Most people were still on the dial-up, right? We were on the di- Yes, we were on AOL, and MySpace was, was I think... Um, oh, MySpace, yeah. MySpace. Yeah, like for real. <laughs> Don't make fun of us who still rock MySpace, okay? <laughs> I think it's coming back. That's what yeah. J- Justin Timberlake is telling us. Anyway, so... That was back then. It was literally out of the trunk of my car. I had order forms and I was faxing order forms to clients and they were faxing in their order forms like for real. My fax machine going off all day and night. It was great. Um, So I did that and then I didn't write another book again for about four or five years. And then once I got the idea to write the successful single mom, that's when I was getting remarried. I was engaged in getting remarried. And I just realized all of those years that I had been a single mom, I heard it, but I didn't hear it when someone would say, oh, you're a single mom. Where's your husband? Right? Judge. Where is your husband? Oh, I'm going to keep you away from my husband. like, trust me, I don't want your husband. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) So... (laughs) So there was all that. So that was 2009 was when I published The Successful Single Mom. And then pretty much since then, I've published, you know, two or three titles a year. And that's my regular 
my regular publishing schedule until I run out of book ideas. But the funny thing is, is once you've written a book or two or several, now people give me book ideas. My husband just did it the other day. I was in the shower and he said, you know, one of the books you should write. And I said, if this is the part where you add a book to my list, just, (laughs) just write it on a sticky. (laughs) Talk to me again in a year. Because I have five titles in the queue that I'm working on. So, like, please just don't add a sixth title. Because I feel like I'm never going to stop writing. Do you work on them simultaneously? I don't. Mm -mm. Nope. I've done that in the past where I would hop into one book and then hop into another. And I literally lose my – because I'm not writing a story. I'm writing nonfiction. So I'm writing kind of a directive – and I write very formulaically. I write linearly and, and logically, in my opinion. Right? You so write like you talk, which is awesome. Yes, people tell me that. And I, it, what's funny is I, there were two pieces of writing advice that I got as a non-writer, <laughs> just in general in life. And it was like, write about what you know and write like you're talking to a friend. And so that's what I hear. That's the feedback I get is that's everyone's favorite part about my writing is – they feel like I'm talking to them because actually I am. Yeah. Which is the kind of the same way I try to write as well. And the search engines are starting to like that better now as well. Sure. 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 Well, authenticity is a big, well, I think authenticity, it lets us get to know you a lot better. And it there, it actually establishes this, this sense of comfort that you don't usually get in books that are just dictating to you. You know what I mean? Correct. Well, and they're, they're, I'm human. I'm human and I'm writing from my experience and I'm writing from what works. And the underlying driver for me is if I can save someone five minutes or five years or 50 years by giving them some piece of information or advice, something I've figured out, that's exactly what I want to do. So whether it's single moms or business people, college bound athletes, yeah. right? Like there's some things I've just figured out and I want to help people figure it out for them. Even if my way isn't the way, cause yeah. I don't think my way is the way. But I don't it will think- trigger thoughts that will help them exactly. the perfect way that they want. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. I mean, when I say like schedule a 50 minute hour, five zero, like 50 minutes is when some people are just getting warmed up. So, okay, so have a 90-minute hour. What do I care? I'm not there with you. Like, crack your code. Figure out what works for you. Honor yourself. But think of something. Most people are just floating along. They just go, I'm just going to have this day. Instead of saying, how am I going to break up this day so that it's most effective and I'm going to get the most juice out of this lemon? Yeah. So when you – I think the basis behind how they make that the most effective is literally the habit building so do you want to talk about that for a minute because you're so good at teaching how to set these habits and how to stay on track with them? I mean, w- when I think about people setting their habits or their goals, obviously they, they think about it throughout the whole year, but the failure rate is so, so high. Like it's insane. And I used to be a victim of it as well. I'd set something and then give it up, you know, within like a week. Do you, do you know the stats on that rate, by the way? I know how to talk no. about it. It's something no. crazy like 75% of people give up within like six days or something. Absolutely. Yes. Well, because I think they, here's what I think. I think people try to bite off more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. They say, I'm going to go from being a three slices of pie eaten, beer drinking, TV watching, NASCAR 
no, fan. Oh God! <laughs> right? They they go they're like the whole they're this whole person, right? Like the people on Madison Avenue can like make a list of their characteristics, and they're gonna go. I'm gonna go from being that guy to being an Ironman triathlete. Yeah, right. Bulletproof coffee drinking, superhero, entrepreneur. Author of 15 books. Author of 15 books, fist pumping manana. Spanish speaking. Yeah. (laughs) Spanish speaking. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm going to completely change my personality and it's going to happen starting on Tuesday, January the 1st. Well, guess what? (laughs) If only, if only that would work. So when, when you're trying to establish habits, part of what you have to do is make it so that it's something that you can sustain. So, and you have to make rules and you have to reverse engineer and then you have to have accountability and tracking. All of those things factor in. So one of my rules is I don't drink my calories unless it's a protein shake. Yeah. Done. So no chocolate cake? I don't, well, I don't drink chocolate cake. I eat it. <laughs> well, in Kentucky, they drink it. <laughs> Asterisk. <laughs> I didn't say anything about not eating calories. I just said I don't drink them. But it's, but it, if you look at, if you read any magazine that says if you stop drinking soda, you'll lose 30 pounds in a year, I'm like, score. I just saved myself 30 pounds this year. I <laughs> Easy to make myself feel successful, hard to make myself feel bad. Yeah. So, so what's the other thing you can do? Okay. Drink a gallon of water a day. Drinking a gallon of water a day is going to inform the size of your tuchus. So will going to the gym and doing a hundred lunges. So is running a marathon or a triathlon. But if you try to do all of those things, it's overwhelming. You have to kind of eat Moby Dick one bite at a time is my opinion. Right. And having someone who's going to call you and say, did you drink that gallon of water today? Did you make your five phone calls? Did you write your 752 1000 words? Yeah, I think that's huge to have accountability. It really And is. that's the one thing. So I was writing my series, my through the end of the year series for my email, my email list. And one of the pieces I said is, look, if you don't have a coach, get one. It doesn't have to be me. Yeah. Or one of my coaches, right? It has to be someone that's going to call you on a regular basis and say, are your feet matching your lips? Your your lips are whapping. Whap, whap, whap. I want this. I want global domination. I want this. I want that. But you're watching a ton of television and you're going to bed late and you're getting up late. And how's that book coming? Yeah. Like every week I have to write down my word count and show it to people. I hate having to say... I didn't put any words up on the board this week, kids. Right? Yeah, the, the excuses will make you feel guilty, you know? And you, you you train yourself when you have accountability to it's amazing. It's amazing how much it will progress with with the things that you get done if you have somebody holding you accountable. I mean, I yes. cannot stress that enough. Well, the number of people who of my clients over the years and up to and including now who are sending me their homework four minutes before our call. Because they started their homework 44 minutes <laughs> before our call. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, oh. And now I... <laughs> it's like, don't, sorry, coach. Right? I'm like, you don't have to be sorry to me. But 
you would get so much more out of your life if you did it right after we hung up instead of right before we talk again the next time because it's two, three, four weeks sometimes in between conversations. Yeah, when you lose time, it's terrible. Exactly. Yeah. How did, how does it feel to watch someone that you've mentored or coached succeed in, in creating the life that they love? I bet that has to feel pretty amazing. It's really cool. I have a really amazing um, vantage point because I think one of my superpowers is to see people as better than they can possibly see themselves right now today. When I'm talking, I, knew you, I some, knew you had superpowers. I have superpowers. That's nice. it's real. It's it's not a, it's not an urban legend. It's for real. But one of the things I can do when I'm working with someone is I can help them to own themselves more. Like the because I've gotten out of my own way so many times and I'm still peeling back those layers. I mean, I I wrote six books before I called myself an author. It was my COO who said, so why don't you lead with author? And I was like, well, I'm not a big A author. I'm not like a New York author. And she's like, and you've still written six books. And it's a line item on your tax return. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you could probably claim that. Oh, okay. So I would lead with author. It's amazing how impressive that is. Right? I mean, I don't go into Starbucks and they go, oh, you've written a book. So you get free coffee, right? I still have to pay. So... <laughs> But I help people to peel back those layers for themselves because I see them as their future selves almost. It's really hard to to explain, but I see themselves as a year or two years down the road or even at the end of the first hundred days, I'll say, here's the goal I think you can set. And I'll say, no, coach, there's no way that's going to happen. And I'll say, okay, well, just trust me. We can always adjust it, but let's just put this, you know, let's. Let's let the horse out of the gate. Let's make some progress. And then if, you know, in a couple of sessions, you're still not feeling comfortable with that goal. If you have been psyched out by the goal, then we can adjust it down. And every single time they're like, holy crap, I'm on schedule. (laughs) I'm actually doing this. I can't believe it. I can do it. Yeah. Yes, I can. Well, and it's, and it's, I, I think I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. And gosh darn it, I am. That's yeah. the that's the thing that I love. And I get that from working with my clients, but I also get it just in emails from readers. I mean, I, people say the nicest things. I don't get, and this is not an invitation, but I don't get hater mail. Maybe I'm not, maybe that's like when I'm Kim Kardashian. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe you have to be like, everybody knows who you are to get the haters, but I, I don't, don't know. Get, I've, I've, I've worked I with some people haters. that do get it and they read them to me and I'm like, wow, like it's amazing, but it kind of fuels you too, you know? Yeah, but so I don't get I don't get oh, the haters. I, I, think I've had, I think I've had one tweet where someone was like, "Well, this one will do anything for a buck," and I'm just like, "For real? Like three ninety nine? Like you're upset because I charge three ninety nine for my book? Okay, easy. Yeah, <laughs> settle down. Yeah, I'll try not to spend my two dollars all in one place. They were, probably, they were probably in Southeast Ohio. They might. They might. <laughs> yeah, they were probably the kids that made fun of me a lot. Yeah. When, <laughs> when I was younger, they're drinking Built, beer like, and watching NASCAR right now. That's right. Well, they, they, yeah, to- exactly. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment. Judgment free zone right here, everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love you, Southern Ohio. Yes, we do. <laughs> so, so commitment or committed eats impossible for breakfast. I love that one. Okay, mm-hmm. this is something that I actually have on my whiteboard. Nice, really big up there. I love that. Are you going to tweet that or Instagram that and tag me? I've got three quotes up there that I look at every day, and that's one of them. I like it. What are the and, other two? I'm curious. Just uh, tell me. There's one. It's every day is a bonus round. Slow down and enjoy something beautiful. 
Mm, I love that. Which I basically tween my life around. That that came from Sarab Miraman. He's a Hollywood director. I had him on episode two, one of the very first ones. And that was his advice. And it's just stuck with me ever since. Uh, it, it, it's amazing what that, that powerful quote can mean. And then I've got... People don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it, obviously. Yep. Old Simon, which For is real. amazing. And then behind me, there's quite a few How Hell Run ones all over the wall, but quite the creative endeavor. But what is that? Can you take that committed eats impossible for breakfast and break that down for us? Because it's it's awesome. I mean, it really uh, is. Thank I think you. it can help people just on the principle of it. Awesome. Thank you. Well, so I believe that there is 99% committed, which is where most people live when they really, 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 really want something, but they've got that 1% that's kind of like, but if it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I'll just keep a little, you know, I'll just, I'll just have a little bit in reserve just in case. But I think that that's kind of like purgatory. That's got to be what purgatory is like. You don't know if you're going to heaven. <laughs> you don't know <laughs> if you're going the other direction, right? You're kind of in this no man's land. So I believe that you have to make a hundred percent commitment to something. And when you do that, I think that there are forces known and unknown that literally step in to help you create the results that you want. I can't explain those results, those forces, just like I can't explain electricity, but I know when I press the on button, my lamp comes on. So I believe in it. So when I really, really want something, I commit something to to it a hundred percent. And that turns the impossible into I'm possible. So I think of it literally like, because I, it's, it's probably no um, secret if anyone listens to me or reads my stuff for any amount of time that I like food and shoes. That's those are, if you want to bribe me, those are my, those are, those are going to work. So I, I literally picture commitment eating impossible Yeah. for breakfast. Like this is my fuel, like have a little, have a little impossible, have a little bulletproof coffee, do a little like, fist is pump. Like a little mustard on the impossible. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe some, some chocolate onions. drizzle. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate drizzle. It's breakfast. <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong with that. But I mean, I, it's it literally, it's, you know, getting rid of, not just hoping for the end result or intending the end result, but not really taking any action, right? It's 98% inner preparation and 2% outer action, that Mm -hmm. commitment piece. Because when you set your mind to something and and we see this, I mean, the the formula for success is 100% intention, 0% mechanism. If you say, I'm going to go from where you are to wherever you want to go, right? In your car, you're not like, well, I really hope I make it. I hope the car doesn't die. Yeah, right. I hope there's not a red light, right? You're like, you're getting your car because you're going to the where you're going. Yeah, that's a good vision, actually. Things happen along the way, but as long as you... Yeah, you're going to hit a red light. You might, I mean, you're in, in, you know, the middle of nowhere. There might be a deer on the road. Like, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. Hey, in my head, I'm in, I'm in a cabin in Portland at Klamath okay. Falls. Okay, perfect. Yes. Well, mentally where we are and physically where we are sometimes not the same. (laughs) We'll admit that. That's how you survive. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Having a vision, having a vision. Right. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a very great place to, to come to peace with where you are while you're striving for where you're going to be happy in the moment. 
Yeah. I didn't say it was easy, but I said it was good. <laughs> Nobody said it was easy, Honoré. That's right. Right. Whoever so, said it was easy lied to you. <laughs> they lied. <laughs> Evil bastards. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's another thing you mentioned in your book, which I really related to and it made me smile immediately. When you talk about simplifying your life and how you went through your house and got rid of like 80% of your things. And this one thing in particular, which I, I told Lindsay about this today, actually, that we're going to start doing is when you buy one thing, you know, after you save your 10% and you've paid all your bills and you have some money, you decide that you're going to buy something, you get rid of one thing also, which is amazing. So how has that really played a role in, in you know, creating this life and making it the way that it should be? Well, it works awesome for me. I'm not sure that my husband and daughter like my program as much as I do, <laughs> but they're not home during the day. So it everyone's really happy with it. Actually, it just keeps things very simple. The act of getting rid of, I mean, garbage bags full of just stuff mm -hmm. to throw away, garbage bags full of stuff to give away and donate was so incredibly powerful. Now living in the 20% yeah. that used to be the 80%, yeah. um, there is the point where you've we're, we're sold this bill of goods and we're sold one bill of goods that says two things. Create a pile of cash, accumulate a pile of cash, and alternatively, accumulate a pile of stuff. And that's supposed to be successful. Right? I mean, go to school, get a degree, get, get a job. All stuff, it get makes all the stuff. Get all the stuff. It makes us feel good yes. because we hate the rest of our life, right? Yes. I have a 4,500 square foot house with a three-car garage and extra bedrooms that I never even use, and it's awesome. Except that eventually you fill up those rooms full of stuff that you don't use in rooms that you don't see. and It's not it, very uh, fulfilling. It's not very fulfilling, right? Yeah. So once you've climbed that ladder, you kind of look down and go, well, now I have all this crap that I have to clean or manage or store or organize or whatever. And for me, I realized that I didn't own my things. My things owned me. Yeah. Which is and like so, a 99% problem for people. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Like I, I got rid of, you know, we got rid of cable and now we're getting rid of all the televisions and I don't miss it at all. I don't miss anything. I went through all the... Close, I can't, I can list forever all the stuff that we've started oh. throwing away. And yeah. sometimes when you sell it, like I sold, I don't know, 50 video games and DVDs to some guy who was probably in his mid forties the other day. And I almost felt bad when I was selling it to him because I knew he was just going to go <laughs> watch and play these games. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like I didn't know if I should sell it to him or just be like, you know what, man, actually I'm just going to put these in the trash can and you can't have them. Like it'll oh. be better for you. And, well, everyone's yeah. on their own journey, right? They've got to figure it out. Yeah. Because, I mean, I still see people that are like, yes, we are going to get married and we're going to buy a house and we're going to saddle ourselves with all this debt and we're yeah. going to, look, we got this brand new car. And it's funny because I was listening to Dave Ramsey's daughter and she was saying how she got into this when she was 19, she got into this girl's car and it was a brand new BMW. And she's like, yeah, it's so nice. And the girl was like, yeah, it's only $700 a month. And she was like, oh, <laughs> Like you're 19 years old. Like you have a car payment that you now have to get up early and stay up late in order to pay for this car that you don't even live in. Yeah. And it's a nice car. But if you have to sacrifice a part, a piece of your life and your happiness. Ugh. Ugh, exactly. So I'm a Ugh. big advocate of just get rid of, get, 
if you're not using it, like if I don't wear something for a minute and a half, it's like out it goes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm happy because I take it down to the goodwill. And I know that the next person who gets it is going to choose it on purpose and probably could not have gone to the place where I got it originally. Yeah, that's true. And like when you're, when you simplify, I think the main thing for me is eliminating distractions and the less things that I have around me, the more I focus on what is truly important, which is basically grounding myself and finding value in this world, in life, in the things that I love the most, which are, you know, being outside and, and doing something that makes changes to the world, to the world yep. as a whole. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an amazing If only thing. we ran the world. We do. We have superpowers. Oh, that's right. Okay. We fist Good. pump and we fist run the bump. world. <laughs> Universal domination. That's right. Taking it to the house. All right. If you had to battle Godzilla, how do you think you would use your creativity or talents or superpowers to defeat that big, <laughs> crazy bastard? Well, even with advance notice, I'm not sure that I'm quite prepared for this question. Um, you know what? The best thing I could come up with is I have so many books I've published that I could throw my books at Godzilla. Oh. <laughs> Be like, right? here, you need this one and this one and this one. And I would throw them at Godzilla, which well, is, you, sounds violent and awful, but you might I didn't want to be eaten. To the point, he, he could start reading them, and then all of a sudden, maybe he would start writing books, and they'd be bestsellers, and then he'd live the life that he truly loves, right? Possibly he would be less angry and not want to eat me if that were the case. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, Godzilla, he, he, he might be friendly. We don't know. So if you can educate him with the books, so be it. It just shows that all the things that you do in life can lead up to making a staple in the long run, which is certainly what you're doing. And it's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. So if our listeners want to get in contact with you, check out this vision to reality, check out all the amazing things in your book, including the 12 by 12 and, and all, all the principles that you teach that I'm not kidding you guys. They're, they're straightforward. This book's an easy read. You can do it in probably two days. If you just spend, I mean, what, what do you think it takes like three and a half hours to read that book? Maybe. Yeah, if you're a slow reader, yeah. <laughs> it'll take you three hours to Dang read it. it. Dang it. Three and a half hours. Are you a slow reader? Did it take you five hours? Was that like totally insulting? You liar. Half, okay, I don't believe that for a minute. No, I, <laughs> I mean, if you're reading it and taking notes, like I've had people send me pictures yeah, of like the I little do. flag sticking out of it and that kind of thing, it's going to take you a little bit longer. If you're going to read it like all the way through, I like to read books all the way through so I get the full picture and then I go back with my highlighter mm-hmm. and... And figure out, no, that was my daughter texting me on my computer. If I turn off the sound, then I turn off you. So so she's working me. She wants something. So she's like, Hey, well, yeah, I mark my books (laughs) up too. And, and you're, you're right. I just, that triggered a thought in my head when you talk about the timer in the book as well, where you set a timer and it goes off and you realize, you know, where you are as far as the tasks that you're completing. But yeah, you talk about this networking, you got this 12 by 12. That's, that's awesome. It's really will help you fill in your goals for networking and building that network hundred day goal setting challenge and the STMA, which is huge. You want to briefly break down the STMA, just the steps real quick. And then we'll sure. tell your listeners where they can get a hold of you and say, ta-ta. 
Sure. So STMA stands for short-term massive action, 100 days, as you've mentioned. There's the vision, which is what you want. There's your purpose, which is why you want it. Um, then you have the other elements of the plan, which are the top three goals that you set, the areas of focus that you're going to work on during the 100 days, the, the resources that you have, and then finally your next steps, like all the junk that's in your head that needs to get done, get that out on, on paper and prioritize it, delegate it, dump it, delay it, or do it. Dump it. Dump it. Yeah, sometimes you have to take a dump. <laughs> yes, on, ro on rollerblades <laughs> with Godzilla, yes. <laughs> So if someone wants to find me, <laughs> that image just right popped in my head, and it. <laughs> I'm a very visual person too, so I I got an image as well. Super well, fun. You're the, you're the <laughs> super queen of one-liners, also. So yeah, it's been pretty fun. <laughs> but yeah, where can where can they find you? Um, so I am honorequarter.com, H-O-N-O-R-E-E quarter, C-O-R-D-E-R.com, and I have all kinds of free stuff. I give away free stuff because I like it because I can. So if they want to join my list then they get a free book sometimes i give them more free books i mean i'm just you know sharing the love just keeping it changing lives keeping, keeping it, it real keeping yeah. it funky yeah awesome but when you stop you got to keep them spinning on right? right that's right that's right well i have my next book is about um in some ways the 12 by 12 yeah. so i'm writing a book called business dating but not dating at work but actually the core, I'm drawing a correlation between personal dating, how we get to know each other personally in our personal lives, and how we get to know each other professionally that's more effective than what most people are doing. Yeah, I'm very interested in learning more about the 12 by 12 and, and the networking, and, and I think it's a, a brilliant thing. So I'm looking forward to that. And you know, I don't really need too much help with the dating life that I know of. Uh, but business dating, maybe. <laughs> business yeah, dating. Yeah, absolutely. That's I'm different. Every day. Business dating. Business dating can be way more fun because you don't have to be monogamous. That's everyone's favorite part. Or do you? <laughs> well, <laughs> not in my opinion, but uh, for some right. people that works. Personally, different story. Yeah. Just saying. So, Hashtag just saying. <laughs> Hashtag just saying. Just Committed saying. Eats Impossible for breakfast. That's right. Everybody get out there. Check out Honoré's site. Are you on Twitter? Yes, at Honoré on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace. Yeah, fist pump. <laughs> Get out there, break the rules, but first break the rulers. Every day's a bonus round. Surrender to your passion. Practice, practice, practice. Get a guide. Get that mentor. Accountability is huge. Visualize the outcome and play the edge. And Honoré, thank you so much for being the entrepreneur now. And always remember to keep it funky, Honoré. I will do it. Thank yeah. you for having me. You're awesome. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archapreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on Twitter at HB underscore Armstrong. The music, well, that's shaky feeling. Check them out. Ventura, California. Ta-ta. Keep it funky.